All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. We're going to reconvene. Uh, this meeting of the Rent Control Board is hereby called back to order after its closed session. We already had the salute to our flag at 6 p.m. for those of us who were present in chambers. Um, may we please have a report of closed session? Thank you, Chair. Good evening, Commissioners. Uh, the Board adjourned into closed session at 6 p.m. this evening, and uh, closed, uh, closed session ended at 6.52 with no reportable action taken. Thank you. Thank you. And if anyone else in chambers uh, would like to address the board either on a specific item on tonight's agenda or for public comment for things that are generally under our jurisdiction, please see the secretary to fill out a speaker slip. All right. Uh, if everyone up here will take a quick moment or has looked at the minutes from last meeting already, uh, I would uh, entertain a motion to accept the minutes from last month's meeting. I'll move that we approve the minutes of the June 8th meeting. I'll second that. All right. All those in favor say aye. 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 All right. We accept the minutes from last month. Moving on to item number six, special agenda items. Uh, do we have any announcements from our executive director? Yes, good evening, commissioners. I just have one item this evening, which is to say that property owners and management companies should have received their registration invoice, a registration fee invoice by now. If they have not, please contact our office um, and we will send out a duplicate invoice. The registration fees must be paid by August 1st in order for the owners to increase the rents and pass through half of the registration fee. So that's it. Thank you for that. Can you also give us an update, uh, just for the public's sake, on where we are in the notification process and the calendar for uh, September 1st rent adjustment? <clears throat> well, after owners have paid the registration fees and are otherwise in compliance with the law, they can serve the notices to increase the rent as of September 1st. In order to increase the rent by September 1st, they have to give those notices by August 1st. So they have about two weeks plus from right now. So tenants uh, should be on the lookout for um, letters from their landlord that do include also um, a copy of the property tax receipt and the worksheet that's attached indicating the rent increase formula. The property tax bill <clears throat> needs to be attached if the owner is passing through the surcharges and they may not pass through any of the property based um, surcharges to tenants who moved in after March of 2018. It always bears repeating. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, all right. Question. Yeah. Commissioner um, Gonska. So for the benefit of the public, how can uh, tenants uh, verify or learn if their, uh, if their building owner is in compliance uh, with the paying the registration fees in order to increase the rent and pass through half of that registration fee. They can contact our office either by phone or email or come to the counter and we will verify for them if the fees have been paid. But I do want to mention, we did this year, I've mentioned this before, but this year it's the general adjustment and the rent to which the general adjustment is being applied is a little different than it has been in the past. So this year we sent um, to every tenant a newsletter format um, report showing what the 
adjusted maximum allowable rent is, and that is the amount which is 3% increase or $70 maximum over the August 31, 2022 rent. And we also showed what the new rent will be, uh, the new maximum allowable rent. But those are not rent increase notices. Those are informational notices. And in order for the rent to be increased, the owner must provide a notice. Um, and I will just add, there was a, um, I got to have a conversation with a local newspaper editor and um, found it an easier way to explain it in lay terms was if your rent used to be $100 before the pandemic or before, before the 6% increase and it went up to 106 and then in February it went back down to $100.80, right? The 2.8% increase is not on $100.80. It's on a new number. $103 is, is that has really been the easiest way I have found to explain to folks in, in really simple terms. Um, so hopefully that's helpful and we can all, great question. All right. Um, we're on to item number seven, public comment. Uh, this is the time in the evening we reserve for the public to address the board on items that are not on the agenda but that are within our subject matter, jurisdiction matter, and uh, I don't have any tonight. So we will move right on to uh, item 10, 10A. Uh, we have three appeals tonight, the first of which is decrease P20223117529014 Street, Unit 104, Applicant C. Lamb, Tenant. May we please have a staff report? Good evening, Commissioners. Um, Ms. Catherine Lamb has been a tenant in her unit since 1981, and she filed a rent decrease petition in which she claimed that there's been a reduction in management services and that security cameras were also malfunctioning. Um, the hearing officer found that she failed to prove either, and so she denied rent decreases on her petition, and she's appealed that decision. Now, this, uh, as an appellate body in this case, the board should affirm the decision if the record reasonably supports the hearing officer's findings, uh, and even if the board may have found differently had it been finder of fact. Um, Ms. Lamb argues in her appeals that under state law, a building the size of hers should have a resident on-site um, on manager, and, since, and that's not the case in her situation, so she should get a rent decrease. The board, however, may grant a rent decrease in this case if the level of management services now has substantially reduced from the level of management services that the uh, that existed when the rent for the unit was set. Because Ms. Lamb is a pre-99 tenant, that was the rent was set for the April 1978 tenant in her unit. Ms. Lamb testified she doesn't have any information about the level of services, but when she moved into her unit in 1981, what the the owner was the um, manager at the time and he lived on the property and the services that he provided were as a key holder, a master key holder in case of emergencies, um, also that uh, he collected rent and that he maintained the conditions of the property. In, th in this situation, the record, uh, what the record showed was that the new owner has in fact contracted with a couple who live on the property as tenants to serve as master key holder in case of emergencies. 
So that has been complied with in terms of what had been there before as far as responsibility. Um, Ms. Lamb used to be able to pay rent by dropping it off in a drop box on the property, and the new owners don't accept payment of rent that way. However, she can mail the check um, uh, or she can drop off the check um, at a rent payment at the management offices in uh, Century City. And the hearing officer found that the fact that she can no longer draw, uh, pay her rent by putting it in a drop box, but she has these alternative free methods of being able to pay a check, uh, pay her rent, means that there has not been a substantial reduction in management services. And Ms. Lamb also contended that the security cameras were malfunctioning and uh, were not even operational, and that also showed a reduction in management services. But that appears to have been a misunderstanding. Immediately during the transition in ownership, which took place in the summer of last year, uh, there was a period in which the new management company didn't have access. They weren't provided access to the security by the company that used to um, work for the prior owner, but they did gain access and when they did so they decided to actually upgrade the security camera system so that now footage from the security camera is available all the time to staff of the management company through the cloud on their phone. And therefore the hearing officer found that that also has not shown to be a reduction in management services. Ms. Lamb also argued that management had been slow to respond in several flooding incidents that took place on the property and also with the collection of bulky items in the trash area. Um, as detailed in the staff report, the evidence did not support her claim. Um, in her appeal, Ms. Lamb also listed a series of other alleged problems uh, to show that management services had been reduced. But Ms. Lamb never listed any of these uh, problems in her petition, and she didn't provide any evidence uh, regarding them at the hearing either. Um, because the board reviews the evidence in this matter, in, in, uh, the board reviews the record in an appeal for clear error. As a matter of due process, these new allegations may not be the basis for reversal of the hearing officer's decision. Given that evidence, given the evidence that was presented at the hearing, the hearing officer's finding that Ms. Lamb failed to prove um, a, a reduction in management services um, is a reasonable one, and for that reason, staff recommends that the board affirm the decision and its findings of fact and conclusions of law. All right, thank you so much for that report. Does anyone have any questions of staff about the report? Yeah, I just have a question. Um, Will you please uh, be recognized, Commissioner Gwynn, and turn on your microphone. Um, Microphone's not still not sure. on. Oh, it's on. There you go. Now it's off. Um, I'm not sure if this is the right time to ask this question, but I think it is. That in the case, um, what's a tenant's recourse if a state law is violated and not a law of the rent control jurisdiction? Um, that depends on the state law in terms of what kind of remedies may be available, but they could certainly consult with a private counsel to see if there are any remedies that they may follow up in that situation. In this case, it should be said that the, although it's not central to the basis mm -hmm. for the right. decision, the hearing officer found that there had not been a violation of state law e either in this case. Right. Okay, thanks. We do not have any requests to speak uh, on behalf of either party. 
or anyone else on this matter, so we will enter discussion. Does anyone have anything to offer on this case at this time? can also offer a motion if you're so inclined. Commissioner Gonska. Uh, I would motion that we affirm the hearing officer's decision and finding a fact and conclusions of law. I'll second that. All right, we've had a motion and a second. Would you please call the roll? Yes, Commissioner Gonska. Yes. Commissioner Gwynn. Yes. Vice Chair Leslie. Yes. Chair Foster. Yes. Motion passes. All right. Thank you for that. We are going to go on to uh, item 10A2. It's another decreased petition, P2022-00244. That is 2009 Ocean Park Boulevard. The applicant is P. Squire, tenant, and the tenant appeals. Uh, this... Um, uh, tenant is joining us via Blue Jeans audio uh, to accommodate a disability, and we are happy to do so. So uh, we will hear the staff report, any questions, and then um, Mr. Squire has requ requested to speak after that. Uh, Commissioner, the, as you mentioned, uh, Paul Squire is the t uh, petitioner in this case, and he filed a rent decrease petition alleging various maintenance conditions and reductions in housing services. As detailed in the staff report, Mr. Squire exited the proceedings shortly after its commencement and did not get to introduce any evidence into the record. Uh, the hearing officer therefore deny, uh, found that he had failed to meet his evidentiary burden to prove his claims and denied the petition. Uh, the hearings department subsequently offered Mr. Squire um, an opportunity to participate in a, another hearing, but he declined to do so. Um, in his appeal, Mr. Squire argues that the evidence that he sent to hearing staff um, uh, is sufficient to prove his case. Um, and, and he was referring to items that he sent to the hearing staff in preparation for a virtual hearing so that it's available for consideration during the hearing. But emailing evidence in that situation is not the same thing as that evidence being accepted into the record, um, and so that's and which was not done in this case. Mr. Squire never actually introduced any evidence to the record because the hearing never got that far. Um, before he, the hearing officer even had a chance to give him the ability to authenticate the evidence that he wanted to submit, to rule on any objections that may be. Uh, provided by opposing party and to hear uh, any cross-examination on the evidence that from the opposing party, Mr. Squire had terminated his participation in that hearing. The record reasonably supports the hearing officer's denial of this petition and for that reason, staff recommends that the board affirm the decision and its findings of fact and conclusions of law. Thank you. Do commissioners have any specific questions for staff before we hear from the appellant? Okay, seeing none. Um, Mr. Secretary, would you please help facilitate Mr. Squire's participation via Blue Jeans Audio? Yes, Mr. Squire, you're not appearing in our queue. However, if you are in the queue to speak, you are unmuted and you will have five minutes to address the board. Please go ahead. Mr. Squire, are you there? 
Mr. Squire, are you present on the line? All right. Uh, in the interest of justice, we will, uh, if it's okay with the board, if we do reestablish uh, contact with this um, appellant, I would be open to hearing from him in case there was some sort of technical difficulty. Uh, we will then move on into discussion uh, at this point, seeing no other comment, or should we wait and see if he comes back later? That's what I mean, like move on and come back. Okay. I only have his email address, and I did notify him at the start of this item that his item was being heard. And I do feel that uh, every, every effort has been made at reasonable and, and more so uh, for accommodations for this person. So we, we thank you for that and staff um, for accommodating him. We'll see if we can get him back. If not, uh, we're going to reserve that case for a moment, and we're going to move on to uh, item 10A3, a decreased petition appeal, P2022-31222, 2103 Third Street, Unit 2. The applicant is Jay Velasquez, owner, and the owner appeals the rent decreases granted. Uh, may we have a staff report, please? Sure. Certainly, Commissioner, the applicant, Thank you. Um, the applicant you mentioned is actually Susan Manheimer was the tenant, but the appellant is the landlord, um, Drake Real Estate Management. Um, and in this case, Ms. Manheimer, uh, she filed a rent decrease petition alleging uh, various maintenance conditions and reductions in housing services, and the hearing officer granted her decreases totaling $220. Um, the landlord has appealed the decision and claims in the appeal um, that the, the, some of the conditions have been repaired and the landlord submitted some photos with the appeal. Neither the claim about the completed repairs nor these photos were ever part of the record that was created at the hearing. In fact, apparently these repairs were done after the close of record in this case. Um, Commissioners, this is an appeal that should have been instead a, re a request for verification of compliance. Um, staff contacted uh, the party, uh, the landlord after receiving the appeal to let them know that they should be instead be filing that as opposed to an appeal, um, but they did not respond to staff's communication. Um, substantial evidence in the record supports the uh, hearing officer's findings and the decreases granted, and for that reason, staff recommends the board affirm the decision and its findings of fact and conclusions of law. Thank you. Uh, we do have one request to speak on this. This is the uh, applicant, the appellant, uh, Jorge Velasquez. If you'd like to step up to the microphone right here, we'll turn it on for you. And when you see the green light, you'll have um, about uh, up to five minutes if you need it. Okay. Uh, good evening, uh, board members. My uh, name is George Velasquez from Drake Real Estate Group. Uh, the reason here I am uh, is just due to the fact that I did not receive that email that specifically stated that I needed to go a different route to appeal this decision. One of the things that I did want to also bring up here, just the fact that the hearing officer's decision and basis of it does not really coincide with what the hearing um, officer's investigator said on their report. There's some conflicting evidence there on times and dates of the uh, cited facts. And one of the things that we are contesting is some of the dates that are being given here. Right now, the way the, the actual um, decision stands, um, we show that the dates are being given 
um, too long of a term when conditions were already completed at time of hearing. And that is not being taken into consideration. So for those reasons, we are trying to appeal that because there are substantial uh, decreases here that these were completed at time of hearing. So I'm not sure why the hearing officer disregarded the own um, investigator's report on it. And that's one of the reasons that I'm here to appeal that for. That's it. All right. You can have a seat. Thank, Thank you. you so much. All right. We're going to move into discussion on this item. I have some comments, um, if no one else does at the moment. Okay. So um, it, watching these cases play out, there, there's a very uh, clear timeline. And a few years ago on this board, uh, we, we, cha we made some, some common sense changes to that timeline. And the reason that we go forward with the process um, is often because uh, in some, not, not all cases, but in some cases, a tenant has asked for repairs and has brought things to the attention that were not repaired until uh, an official process had begun uh, and was proceeding, which then sometimes compels um, someone to make repairs or realize that they need to make the repairs. Um, so the, the repairs being made in the middle of that process may or may not be, but there is a certification process that needs to be gone through to seek the, the timely approval of those, those repairs and reinstatement of rent, if any is warranted. But the major thing we changed a few years ago was recognition of the amount of time that these things have been in disrepair predating um, the repair. So unless and until we go through the entire process with a tenant and a landlord to find out the resolution of, of these matters, we cannot then reverse something we were in the middle of affirming as a rent decrease until it's finished. So there's a time and a procedure for everything under the law. And I'm certain that the parties here will avail themselves of those procedures in the proper timelines. Uh, is there any other comment on this case from the rest of the dais? All right, then I'll jump outside the norm and I'll make the motion. Uh, because the record reasonably supports the hearing officer's decision, uh, I move that we affirm the hearing officer's decision and findings of fact and conclusions of law. I second that. All right. We have a motion and a second. Would you please call the roll? Yes. Commissioner Gwynn. Yes. Commissioner Gonska. Yes. Vice Chair Leslie. Yes. Chair Foster. Yes. Motion carries. Thank you. All right. We are going to go back to 10A2 for a moment and see if uh, the appellant is available. Mr. Secretary, if you will let us know when that line is open and when we might. Yes. Uh, Mr. Squire, if you have joined us, you will have five minutes to address the board. You are not muted. Please go ahead. Mr. Squire, are you there? All right. Um, we are going to move on to discussion on that item as the public speaker and appellant is not present. All right. Uh, is there any comment on this case from the dais? Yeah, I'll just... Commissioner Gwynn? Yeah, I just want to make 
just a quick comment that it's unfortunate the way this thing played out in the hearing. I don't know what Mr. Squire's situation is that prompted the hearing to end so abruptly, but um, unfortunately, we have no evidence in this case because it wasn't properly put into play. So as a body, um, we have no choice but to um, affirm this or deny this appeal. So that's my comment. Any other comments from commissioners? Commissioner Leslie, Vice Chair Leslie. Can he just, can the a person that filed, petitioner will refile his appeal? Can he refile? Uh, can we get a staff weigh in on timeliness uh, since they were not present today? We're finishing this case today. Correct. They had a choice of whether or not to appear. Okay. So. Um, but as this is related to a rent decrease petition, another rent decrease petition could be brought. Okay. Any other comments? All right. Uh, I'll entertain a motion on this case. I move that we affirm the hearing officer's decision and to uh, adopt the findings of fact and conclusions of law. I second that. Please call the roll. Yes, Commissioner Gonska. Yes. Commissioner Gwynn. Did you say me? Didn't hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. Commissioner Gwynn? Yes. Vice Chair Leslie? Yes. Chair Foster? Yes. Motion carries. All right. Thank you. All right. Uh, Mr. Augusta is not here. He's coming at a, a later time. August. That's correct. So we will pass over item 12A and we will go on to uh, our final item of the night, which is item 14A, a board discussion item. It's a request of Commissioner Gwynn to discuss inviting Code Enforcement Manager Daniel Mick to provide an update on code enforcement efforts in the controlled housing stock. Uh, we will hear from Commissioner Gwynn who brought the item and we have a couple of uh, public comments on this item. Hi, I brought this um, before the board. We've, we've had... Um I believe in the past we've had the someone from the Office of Code Compliance talk to us before in building and safety and various ones. And this came about because of a recent meeting I had where it was brought up by some of the people at the meeting questioning um, about code enforcement and its relationship in a way to, with rent control, with the rent controlled stock. Um, and also there was comments made um, um, indicating that in the past there's been some difficulty with um, tenants in the community contacting code compliance and not getting a adequate response or a timely response. Um, and I think this was also brought up as the fact that we now have a new code compliance manager um, about six months ago, I think, six or seven months ago, um, Daniel Mick. So he is in the process certainly of, of hiring more people and that type of thing. And so he also is ramping up. So I guess I would like to just maybe if we could invite Mr. Mick to come before us and give us an idea of what code compliance's um, plans are and what they are doing in relationship to answering code compliance calls, especially on our rent controlled stock in the city. Um, so I wanted to bring it to the board to see if they were interested in doing that, um, to have him come to a future meeting. Um, and if we did ask, I mean, I would prefer that it was Mr. Mick, because I know he has been very responsive to other community organizations. Um, but timeliness, obviously, I don't want to wait too long to do it. So if 
it absolutely can't be Mr. Mick. We could certainly hear from another person, but we'd prefer Mr. Mick um, if the staff decide, or the rest of the commissioners decide that we would like to hear from Mr. Mick. So I'll leave it to that. And if we want to discuss it more after we hear from the two speakers. Yep. So the, the course of action here is to hear from the public first, and then we'll discuss. All right. Thank you. Uh, we have two speakers on this item, uh, Amy Gottstein and Julie White. So we'll go in that order. Uh, Ms. Gottstein, if you approach the mic, you have up to three minutes to speak. Good evening. Just a moment. Uh, Secretary, okay, good. You changed the clock. Thank you. It changes at the last second for us up here. Yeah. Go ahead, Amy. Sorry. Good evening. I'm pleased to speak to the board this evening. Uh, I wholeheartedly uh, agree with Commissioner Gwynn that there are some hard questions that I think should be answered. Um, one is definitely with respect to time frames. Basically, there are none. Um, in rent control, we know that if a, if the tenant is violating a lease, that they are allowed a certain correction period before potentially facing a three-day or quit or something like that. But there are no deadlines like that within code enforcement. And I think that would help move things along. I am a very passionate <laughs> tenants rights advocate. I know it deeply from my own very painful experiences that are continuing today with code enforcement. Uh, I shared a letter with um, members earlier today, um, just to give a little slice of that. Um, kind of what's happening on the ground that's not necessarily brought to whether yours, your attention, the rent control office even, or code enforcement. Um, Ms. Julie, who is also scheduled or signed up to speak this evening, she and I met in a thrift shop and I gave her my number. I said, you got landlord problems, you call me. And I tell people to share my number for those who I speak with on the hotline, but I'm like your best friend on the hotline, the Smur hotline I am referring to, and I won't get into it, but we could talk about this a lot, and I would like to be able to contribute in preparing for Mr. Mick. Not sure how many of you have ever borrowed this from the library, but I can tell you it is eye-opening in a lot of ways, but some of the key things I wanted to just mention about code enforcement conceptually it's very good. It is a powerful tool in the tenant toolbox, not associated with rent control. So there are definitely important ties there. Practically though, it's not there. Um, for example, when folks call in about a code complaint, there are doubts. How do you know? Doubting the caller. How do you know this is a problem? Um, deferring. I'm communicating with somebody currently. There's a roof leak. It was raining earlier this year. She has video. She's called code enforcement. They say, well, it's not raining today. Call us when it's ruining your stuff next time it rains. Okay, so there are deferments and these doubts. So uh, that's your time. And if you'll just finish your thought, we'll allow you a few moments to finish your thought, but you will have time perhaps at a future meeting to, to go farther. Um, I, I will, it's my belief that they're in a knowing and willful situation. And what I mean by that, code enforcement that is, 
is knowing, meaning they've visited, they've observed, and documented. Knowing. Willful is the neglect of heat on the landlord to get the job done, to get the permit in the event of a work without permit, and to make sure that the work is done. So there's a lack of workflow also in partner with building and safety. So there's what I'm seeing is largely a lack of communication. If, uh, yeah, so if, you, willful, if you could bring your thoughts to a close. They allow tenants to remain in these situations and we're already in a futile situation. So what I mean is it's already sort of a Herculean effort to get the landlord to just finally do something, but it's a Himalayan effort with code just for perspective. Um, Thank you, so Ms. Gottstein. We just, we have to give the members of the public the same amount of time each or it's just not fair. But thank you for coming. Thanks for your time. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> All right, uh, and we have uh, Julie White. Good evening. Step up there and you will have up to three minutes to address the Hello. board. Hi. Hello. Um, okay, so I thought maybe code department was going to be here today. So I was going to address an incident that I had with them. And um, basically, it would be nice if they do show up, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll come back. But the incident is, is my landlord painted my parking spot smaller and they put a camera over my part, my car. And even though I'm parking in the same place, they're still knocking on my door telling me I'm not parking right. And so I Googled it and it was to go to, uh, go to code. So we went to the code, the head of code. But the code department, oh, well, first the guy said, you're being harassed, go to the city attorneys. But he claimed that there's no way that the code is responsible when they make a parking spot smaller, that that's not their job. And it says that the head of the code department is supposed to make that decision. And, like, I wanted to come down and get, like, a form and mail it to the landlord. But he was really clear that it was a harassment issue. But... So I just wanted to clarify what, when, when they do that kind of thing. Thank so. you for coming. Um, we are not allowed from the dais to directly uh, address or answer anything that's given in public comment. But you are more than welcome to visit with our staff uh, to help get a clear picture of what we all know to be sometimes a, a difficult tree, to, a, a, a help tree throughout the city of, of where your issue may lie. Um, but that's as much as we can address it from up here. But you're welcome. Maybe maybe Mr. Costello uh, could give you some information even before you leave this evening. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you for coming. All right. That does it for public comment on that item. We are going to enter discussion on the discussion item. Um, Mr. Gwynn, great presentation of your idea and... Um, Commissioner Gonska or Commissioner Les Vice Chair Leslie, any Commissioner Gwynn? I just wanted, I thought maybe to help us inform why we're asking for this is maybe just to ask, and I don't want to put anybody in the spot, but I don't think this will, what our staff's role is in their 
contact with code enforcement. I think Haka and Dan are probably the two best ones because I don't, Haka, you deal with them, correct? Commissioners, in various circumstances where it's appropriate, um, I um, uh, contact code enforcement and let them know about a particular situation that I would like them to investigate. Usually this is in the context of the work that I do, which is around like maybe um, bootleg units and issues um, where there's short-term rental situations that affect the housing stock in that scenario, which is not necessarily specific to a particular tenant, but is more about um, issues that we're looking at for various other matters. Um, but that is one way in which we interact with code enforcement uh, on these cases. Thanks, Hawk. Dan, maybe you can tell us what your staff's contact usually is with them. Good evening, everyone. Um, so because we receive calls from the public regularly, um, we hear about all kinds of situations. If there is something that could be addressed by the rent control law, say through a decreased petition or some other remedy, then of course we always want to provide that information. But there are many situations where there could be overlap or there could be something that would be exclusively in the jurisdiction of code to do something. Um, a good example would be something, you know, like a, a non-working toilet or something like that. Um, it's impractical to go through the rent control remedy you know, just to get a rent reduction at the end and hope that the landlord makes the repair when the unit may not be in compliance, may not be habitable. Uh, so we regularly make referrals to code. Um, and uh, now the city is using the 311 system, so we need to refer tenants to 311 and ask for code. And then um, sometimes if code has issues, they'll come and talk to us for a little bit of background on the situation. So we'll share whatever information we have with code. Um, but it really, it, it depends on the situation. Um, you know, we know those things that can be addressed by rent control. Um, but when it's not clear, then we'll refer out to code. Or, you know, if there is a perceived harassment issue to the city attorney's office. Um, so that's, okay. that's it. Thanks. Does anyone else have any questions for Mr. Costello? All right. Thank you, Dan. I think it's a fantastic idea. We've definitely done this in the past. We've had um, um, collegial reports given on all sorts of things from other city departments in the past. So it's completely uh, within the normal scope of our business um, with the public and with other departments of the city to invite other departments to come opine and converse with us. So uh, I don't see any problem with it. And really, for a board member discussion item, all you need is the nods of the heads of at least three of us to, to give staff um, that direction. It's not even necessarily a motion or anything. So uh, do I hear and see? Yeah, I, I, I just want to say, I, I, yeah, I definitely support this. I think it's a... Oh, I see it now. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't... You can go ahead. I'm, uh, You're in the moment. No, just want, go right ahead. Just want to express my support I for it. Looking. I think there's uh, nothing there. Now it's there. I appreciate it. That's what you Turning my head. How dare I? Yeah. No, I fully support this. And as we've heard from members of the public tonight, and I've heard in many, many conversations, uh, just throughout um, the last several months, 
uh, code enforcement is a really crucial part uh, and works hand in hand with a lot of what comes to our plate. So uh, I fully support that and would look forward to the opportunity to have that conversation. Great. Uh, Vice Chair Leslie. Uh, I concur. Um, I think it would be great for the public to hear how code enforcement works, how we can work together, how they you know explain when to call code enforcement, how to get a report made. This is very vital because there's so many people's livelihood and households rely on just that key component of code enforcement. Agreed. Uh, and Executive Director Condon, you have your name in the queue. Yes, I just wanted to make sure that I understand what it is you'd like Mr. Mick to talk about. And so thank you, um, Vice Chair Leslie. Those were some helpful comments in addition to yours, Mr. Gwynn. Um, just if there's anything else specifically that you'd like to hear about, it would be helpful for me to know that so I can tell him when I Short term him. rentals. Short term rentals. Mm -hmm. Vice Chair Leslie. When is it? that people are when they can be when they have to vacate their unit when it's time for them to vacate as far as construction or it's deemed uninhabitable how that process works because i think a lot of people need to understand that if a unit is declared uninhabitable what the process yes is. okay and in addition to that and in the same realm um what could our departments do better to coordinate to fix things before they reach such a deteriorated condition that the tenant is forced to relocate because often that can lead to extreme disruptions in their lives and quiet enjoyment of their unit so um, how do we how do we address these things um, sooner together and I think uh, broadly uh, I think it would be helpful to uh, help the public understand uh, reasonable response times uh, just generally to talk about that because it and, and also to, to to better understand their workload uh, so what's reasonable for from their ability to uh, in terms of response time Perfect. and what percentage of their time they spend on uh, tenant response versus other areas of the city okay maybe he can um as Mr. Gwynn said, I think he is um, trying to ramp up his staff, and so he could talk about, you know, what different things they're working on, yeah, and what might happen with additional staff. So, okay, that's very helpful. Thank you. Great. All right. Well, that concludes our meeting tonight. Our next regular meeting will be, what is that date? August 10th. That is our, our normal night, our second Thursdays of each month. We are right here in council chambers at 7 p.m. Um, I move we adjourn. <laughs> second. All those in favor say aye. 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 We are adjourned.